Blog Talk Radio. Activity, 
to engage these spirits and try to get more evidence to validate even further and drew me in further um, into many years and changing my life forever. Oh, wow. Well, how long have you been investigating this? It's uh, 12 years now. Oh, that's, that's a long time. So, so I also, also see where you well, the thing in the songwriting thing was in my teens. Um, you know, that was my first passion. Um, and uh, playing in bands and then becoming a solo artist and just, you know, trying to pursue music. Um, and the paranormal thing kind of happened out of nowhere. It took me off a little, off in a little different direction. But music is still my passion. And I've continued to record music and and, and do that when I can. And I just actually came back from Nashville and recorded a new EP, which I look forward to releasing uh, next year. So do you kind of play music by ear? I mean, is Yeah, I mean, I took three guitar lessons, and my ear became my best teacher. Um, I kind of just naturally got good at stuff, um, involving the guitar and writing. Um and uh, even my first solo CD, I played drums, bass, guitar, and sang. Um, it's just, you know, my creative <laughs> mind, I, I just, you know, I love creating things. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a release uh, to write songs, to, to put, you know, words into emotions and things that mean something special to you or very strongly about. And I've always considered writing music and singing music as if it was my invisible therapist, um, getting through all the years of stuff that we have to endure individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, really, really cool. cool. So like, yeah, I've, 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 I've tried to pick up our car and I'm not good at that. Uh, yeah. but, with the keyboard, because my, my father was a musician, he was a German, so he was in band. Went all the way to the studio. Um, um, so with the keyboard, keyboard I can pick the piano up, just by the sound. That makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, even for me, it's just like, it's not something I could be like, all right, next Tuesday, I'm going to write a song. It's just, I wake up one day and like, I feel like I can create something. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. I just, I feel, I feel it in, inside me. And, and like, I could, you know, out of nowhere, I could literally just within like a half hour, I could have a whole song and melody before the lyrics. It was just crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Because not everybody has that. I mean, we do and serve in our, you know, like in our yeah. town. Cause I live in a really small town of like 150 mm-hmm. people. I believe. Sure. We have a couple of bands or to do it all with all the time. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of practice. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, whenever I can. When I'm not going around to spooky places and doing that, sure. <laughs> so what is one of the most places you've ever been to? Um, well, this place I was talking about with my friends who took me there, fellow investigators, um, this place in Indiana, which they knocked down the house. It was called Revenant Acres. And like we had such crazy stuff happen that night. It was trying to possess me. It was trying to possess the other guys, like, it got so bad to the point where I'm with two friends of mine that have been doing the paranormal for 30 years, and we all left that night because we were just be like, we're just poking this thing at this point. It's just, it's time to go. Um, and uh, I wrote about that in my first book, Shadow Chaser. Um, but they knocked the phone out 
down. So um, that place and some of some of the asylums, I don't know what it is, but I really connect to a lot of the spirits in those places that suffer, um, that suffered in life and, and those types of places. Um, you know, but you know, I've been you know been to Bobby Mackey's and you know haunted bars or haunted mental asylums to farmhouses to you know haunted woods and I've had so many creepy and weird things happen. I, I can't even wrap my head around at this point, but it's just a part of my life now. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm right. I'm right. Tell me, I'm waiting, and you're not. So I don't know where my echo was coming from. Because mm-hmm. I have literally drunk everything. everything. Laptop. Laptop. So I don't know. Right. So I'm the volume in the laptop. I think that'll help it. Turn it down. I just turned it off. So is that better? No, no echo. Yes, no echo. That's a lot better. Thank you. Okay. That's one thing I can't stand is an echo. It hurts my ears, and I'm just like, ah, I feel like I'm calling overseas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, nope. do you have any type of podcast or anything, or is that do you not do have time? I used to do a podcast myself, um, and then I guess I kind of fell off when I started to become more busy um, and doing stuff. Um, that's that actually having a podcast is how I it led me to meet Ralph Sarchi, who's my mentor in demonology. Um, you know, I, I wanted to bring him on a, on a show and talk to him and pick his brain because I never knew who he was and I knew the movie was coming out and I looked him up and. Um, yeah, the rest is history with that. I mean, that's, you know, he took, started asking me to come on some cases and led to us doing the Demon Files and, um, you know, kept up, you know, having a good relationship with Ralph and really, um, you know, showing me the ropes and, and talking so many amazing stories from the past um, around the pioneering days of people with the Warrens and Father Malachi Martin and Bishop McKenna and all these, play, you know, things that were going on when it wasn't so popular on TV. It was more about the research and humble to be around people that were doing it around those times right so how many shows i mean because it looks to me like you're extremely busy i mean you've been you're are you ghost loop i've kind of watched beats and bits and pieces of it because Mm -hmm. with my stream tv sometimes i can't get stuff so i haven't completely watched all of that so is that still a show that's going because i don't know I'm no, no, that's, that's no, that's finito. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't believe that's already two years ago that we filmed that, but it's on Discovery Plus. People can watch it. Um, but yeah, no, that shows finito. I've been doing a lot of documentaries since. Um, I did do another film project in the middle of summer. I'm sure it'll be out at some point next year, which I can't really talk much about. Um, and I really want to. I can't wait for it to come out because I had such a crazy experience. Um, and it inspired um, one of the new songs on my new EP. Um, it's the most beautiful paranormal experience I've ever had um, and sad. Um, so I look forward to, you know, telling people about that when it comes out. But, yeah, I've been doing a lot of documentaries. And um, obviously coming into that, I have um, Billy Lewis here. Is He actually has been in town with me. Um, we were filming another documentary actually involving the Amityville story about my per- personal experiences of things that followed me home. Um, after being by the house in the fail grave a, a few years back, um, which actually Ralph will be a part of as well because he was there with, with me one night uh, as well, uh, something that happened. Um, Billy started a new platform called ScareNetwork.tv, which is a new platform doing all original paranormal, horror, true crime stuff. And uh, we've been putting together some really nice storytelling of some of the crazy cases 
that I've been involved with. Um, the first one we did, uh, Malifest, a true story with demonic haunting. I have to say it's the most proud paranormal film project I've been a part of because it really is just raw and just, you know, it really um, shows, uh, you know, what I do, how I do things, how I approach the paranormal, the risks involved of investigating the paranormal, the stakes, <coughs> excuse me, and, um, you know, the things that can happen to you um, doing this sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I got Billy right here. He can kind of come on and talk, talk about that a little bit. Sure. Hi. Hey. How are you? How are you? Yeah. Fine, thank you. Yes, please feel free yeah. to talk away. We've got a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me and Sean linked up um, probably about a year ago. I was working on, this, on another project, and I interviewed Sean and um, for this other project. And then, you know, back in January, like Sean mentioned, started this streaming platform, uh, Scare Network. And... Um, and it also in January, we the, the documentary that Sean was mentioning, Malifus, we shot that um, in Ohio uh, back in January, and then we released it the middle of June. And, um, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I'm not a paranormal investigator or anything like that. So, I, and I've always kind of been a little bit skeptical of the paranormal. I mean, I definitely believe because, I mean, I grew up, you know, reading all kinds of things, UFOs and Bigfoot, and would watch horror movies when I was growing up. And I made a couple of narrative horror movies that I've written and directed. Um, so, uh, so this, you know, coming in and filming paranormal stuff, is, it was new to me, you know, back in January. And, um, uh, you know, my wife and I used to, and we still do, we'll, we'll sit here and watch some of these ghost hunting shows on, on TV and, and we'll kind of chuckle at them and laugh. Um, mm-hmm. And now then I find, now I find myself filming a lot of them. So, um, so I wanted to be careful as a filmmaker. I wanted to be careful to, you know, if I didn't hear it with my own ear because I, I edit pretty much all of my stuff as well that, that I shoot. I do have another guy named Nick who helps me out a lot editing too, but I, I do the, the lion's share of the editing as well. But um, if I didn't hear something and can definitively hear something or see something, then I don't, I don't want to put it in there because, you know, I don't want to manipulate or, or, or try to fool anyone. But, um, but going back to this specific documentary, Malifus, you know, Sean touched on it. I mean, it, I wish everyone could, could watch it because just the amount of evidence that we got is is really overwhelming. I mean, it really is. There is so um, so much there, and I actually um, had to cut a lot of stuff out that uh, you know that couldn't make it. So there's still a bunch of other evidence on the cutting room floor just to kind of keep it you know around an hour and a half. So um, it, it was entertaining, and they wanted to just um, drag out. But, um, but yeah, some, some specific things happened to me. I planted a GoPro in my room one night as I slept. It was about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I just let it roll until the battery died on it and reviewed it. I don't even think I reviewed the footage while we were there. I think it's when I got home I went and looked at the GoPro footage, and you could distinctly hear a woman scream on there. And again, me trying to debunk it and 
you know, that's a popular word in the paranormal field, but I thought it was maybe a rooster outside because we were kind of out in the country or something, but it, it, it certainly went. Once I enhanced the audio and brought it up, it's a distinct woman's scream. So that alone um, was, uh, I mean, you know, I, I do believe in ghosts. Um, I don't understand them. I don't know that any human being can really understand how they work and all that. So um, with this documentary specifically, Malthus, you know, I, I, as a filmmaker, just wanted to put all the evidence out there, not trying to convince someone uh, one way or the, the other. Um, I just wanted to put it out there, and, and then people can make their own assessments and judgments from it. But um, but that doc, again, it's gotten a really good response on, on IMDb. We got an IMDb page for Internet Movie Database. Um, I mean, there's overwhelming... 10 of 10 written reviews about the documentary and, and people who have watched it and, and, and call it one of the best paranormal documentaries that they've ever seen. Um, again, with us being just a new streaming platform, it's exclusive to Scare Network. You know, not many people have heard about it. Um, okay. and, and, um, but I think I think the time will come and, and people will get to do that. Along with, I mean, we put out three, that's one of three really solid documentaries, full-length documentaries that we put out just from this year alone in 2021 along with um, a bunch of other shorter documentaries and investigations and and um, and podcasts and other stuff on, on the platform. So it's just going to continue to grow. Um, and we got so much other stuff lined up and in the can. And um, so we're, we're really excited um, because now I can have control um, of my material because, like I mentioned, I've done a couple of narrative movies in the past, and I've signed with sales agents and distributors out in Los Angeles, and I'm telling you, they made all the money, and I never saw a dime of it, and it was very frustrating for me as a filmmaker. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so this is a a great way for us to, you know, have control of our content and and do it the way that we want to do it and and, and just put it out there. So. So let me ask you something, because I have a friend that is, going to filmmaking school uh-huh. do you do you have any words for her because she is really struggling yeah tell her not to go <laughs> <laughs> tell her to you hear save that? her money tell her to save her money listen i'm 43 now and when i was um 18 graduating from high school um that was yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. I mean, it took me a couple of years in college. I really had to meditate and pray about it to figure out the direction that I wanted or that I felt like God had put me on this earth and the path to go down. And so something was calling me to do this. And even at that age, when I graduated college at 22, I moved out to Los Angeles and I lived out there for a year. Didn't do much of anything out there. Was just trying to figure out what aspect of filmmaking I wanted to do, um, and you know, the directing and and the writing and the editing, which I pretty much do everything now. But um, or have been. But if I knew what I knew now, to be honest with you, when I was 18, I would have either tried to go to like the School of the Arts in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. You probably tell from the accent, but. Um, it, the School of the Arts in Winston-Salem in North Carolina is phenomenal. So many great filmmakers have come out of there. David Gordon Green, 
uh, Danny McBride. Um, those guys just did the Halloween movie. They did Eastbound and Down show. Um, anyway, so I would have either tried to go there because they really focus on, you know, the, they put a camera in your hands. They make you do short films. Some of these film schools just sit there and teach film theory and stuff. Um, but if I really knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have even done that because I wouldn't have even gotten in there because you, you have to, to even get into that school is really tough and you have to already done a short film and other stuff. Anyways, um, I would have put the money that we were going to spend on college into buying equipment and gear. And I'm telling you, I'm self-taught with filmmaking. I mean, I've watched so many tutorials online. I've read so many books. And, oh, it, it, I forgot. I worked in TV news for five years. So I was a photographer in television news for five years. So that was my real experience um so every day for five years i was going out and shooting news stories and then i'd have to uh, and that taught me how to edit i have to learn how to edit really fast and taught me how to shoot taught me how to interview people how to light things how to do sound um so that gave me a great work work ethic working in, in television news so then when i left news i did that exactly five years then i transitioned and started my own production company um, but while I was working in news, I was able to use some of their cameras to do some short films. Some of my very first short films, they, they allowed me to use, you know, cameras on the weekends and stuff. So, um, I mean, I've gone and spoken to a lot of college film classes, and um, I don't tell people to drop out or anything like that. I just tell them um, it's all about a work ethic, too, and that goes with any career you you know that, that that you choose you just have to work hard and you have to want it you have to believe in it and i firmly believe this is what god put me on this earth to do and i've never made a, a ton of money doing what i do but i've always stayed true to myself and the path that i feel like god has put me on on this earth to, to accomplish and that's being a filmmaker and telling stories and, and creating content so yeah i mean your friend just you know I'm just, I mean, you can literally, you can literally watch tutorial videos online. I don't know what aspect she wants to do. She needs to figure that out um, because there's a, you know, do you want to do sound? Do you want to edit? Do you want to write? Do you want to direct? Do you want to do camera? You know, there's, there's so many paths she could take. She just needs to figure that out and start maybe doing internships. And I don't know what kind of film, which film school is she trying to go to? Or do you know? It's one in, because we're in Virginia, so it's one in somewhere in either Henrico or Richmond. But I know that the struggle yeah. is real for her. And, What's you know, she struggling with? That, I'm sorry? What is she struggling with? I think, I think the school and some of the stuff that they have her doing is just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Because just said about theory and different things i mean i've helped her with a couple of projects that she's had but it's just i think theories behind it which is so frustrating for her and so Mm -hmm. since you're um you would know better than anybody else you know Um, and she's young and you know to see somebody get discouraged with things is upset upsets me because you know we're close friends yeah, so, I, I mean, where I live. Or get a bad taste in her mouth and say, you know yeah. what, I don't want to do this. She really is good at what she does. I mean, she filmed mm-hmm. on a Reiki session, for instance. You know, when I was doing mm-hmm. Reiki on her, she filmed that session because that's what my purpose is. I know what I'm put here to do. Um, yeah. 
she filmed that. She did a really good job. But when you go into school, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. All these it is. It's funny to me too because you know I see a lot of these film professors who've never made a a, a movie themselves or a short, at least even a short film or or this and that, and they're teaching all this stuff. And some of them have holier than thou attitudes on film and stuff. And I'm like, you've never even done made a movie you've never even been on a most of them probably hadn't even been on real set and stuff but um but i'm very fortunate where i live too down in wilmington north carolina on a film and get done on there they just shot the new screen movie um mel gibson shooting a movie there right now there's like three netflix shows going on there now the conjuring movie the first conjuring movie was shot down there lots of stuff so there's a great film where i live too so i've got a good Wilmington. support base I've been to Wilmington. I have fr- I had a friend that lived in Wilmington. My family lives in different parts of North Carolina. I'm from Charlotte. That's mm-hmm. where I was born. At. Okay. So, you know, I got cousins and family that live way mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of places out in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So, Shelby, yeah. the exact. Shelby, North yeah. Carolina. Yeah, I've been to Shelby. Um, my dad was a high school football coach, and he actually – beat Shelby High School in the state championship one year, and then several years later they turned around and beat his team in the state championship. Shelby's always got a good football team. But um, anyways, get off track. Um, yeah, tell your friend. I mean, she needs to figure out uh, how much more film school does she have left. She's got quite a bit left because she just started like a few months ago, and she spent quite a bit of money on it too. Well, tell not to get this way. Like I said, I mean, I really just had to meditate, pray on it, and figure out where I felt like I was being called on this earth. Because, I mean, when I was 18 years old, I was very naive and very young and didn't know anything about the real world and how to make money and, you know, much less a, a career. Um, so, um, you know, it's definitely going to have learning curves. But, I mean, you know, as you know, you can do anything if you put your mind to it and you believe in it. I know as a filmmaker, I know I'm not the most talented person in the world, but my drive and my belief has taken me a lot further than, you know, others that, that are way more talented than me. And I've seen it. I've seen it. And I've seen them fall out of filmmaking because they had, you know, different, um, you know, they, their purpose wasn't the right place to, to do filmmaking and stuff and their attitude and all that. So, yeah, she just really needs to figure out what – um, what direction she wants to do. Tell her to join film clubs and online and start meeting people in areas she's in to start making short films. I, again, I don't know what aspect she wants to do, but um, tell her just pick up a camera. And just go out. I, I tell people just go, if you want to do that and learn how to do camera and all that, just go out in the woods and just start filming, you know, get a zoom lens and start filming birds and shooting, framing, learning how to frame shots up and wide medium tight and all that so yeah anyways. i think she wants all of it i know she wants to direct her own films i know that much yeah well tell her to start with short films tell her to write something and i mean that's the beautiful thing about youtube and other places is that you, you've got and you know facebook obviously there's so many outlets out there to put your you know your work out there and and get you know, you can get critiqued and learn and grow from it and just keep getting better. I mean, I go and watch the very first short film I did right now, and I cringe when I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so 
so bad. But you know, I've never I've never listened to what anybody said about me and my movies as far as um you know, reviews and, and just general public tearing it down or whatever. I don't let that get to me. So you gotta well, have thick skin. You can't because yeah. there's so many people that that do things like that. I guess it's the hater group, you know. Yeah. And I just keep moving yeah. forward because I have those two, and I just keep keep moving forward because I'm on a mission. So I don't I don't care what yeah. other people think. I used to let stuff like that bother me, but I I just I'm at the point now in my life I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you only yeah. have one. Yeah. You know, so. Well. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. But anyway, swinging this all the way back around to the paranormal and all that, I mean, um, Sean and I did a documentary, too, called Devil Down South. It was about uh, a young woman who dabbled in black magic um, when she was 15 years old. She's uh, 28, 29 now. But um, we went down to Mississippi and, and shot with her, and, and, and Sean also wrote about that in, in one of his books. And the, the story is so crazy. It is so crazy. And you can see that on ScareNetwork.tv as well. Um, and, and we did a bunch of recreations and a, a bunch of dramatizations to kind of go along with her telling her story because we protected her identity while we filmed it. But, um, you know, the, just the stuff that happened to her is, 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 is really unbelievable. I mean, it, it really is a Hollywood movie that, that – should be made we just started with the doc and hopefully we can you know produce um you know hollywood style movie narrative movie based off of those events and stuff as well so yeah well i think that'll happen um on your on spear network i mean how do how do you is it something that you google or is it because i don't know you'll have to yeah, I mean, well, you, if you just type in your web browser, scarenetwork.tv, it'll come up. And it's a subscription-based thing. It's only four ninety-nine a month. Or you can buy some of these bigger documentaries, kind of like Amazon Prime. You can buy the individual bigger documentaries. You can rent them or buy them. Um, and we also, we actually have an app out now on Apple, on Apple phones, um, iOS, Apple TV, and on Amazon, um, like on Fire Stick and, and any other Amazon-based television that you may have so um we don't have google and and roku yet we're working on that but um again we just started this platform in january of this year and we've already got about 50 or 60 pieces of content on there um so we've made some huge strides in less than a year and um uh you know i think sean mentioned we were here filming up here in Connecticut, we went down to Amityville, New York, and shot there for a couple of days. And we're going to, you know, that story's been done obviously many times, but but we've got a unique twist on it that we're going to, you know, do a a documentary on and hopefully have that out in the next couple of months. And and I got a a, a monster. It's called the Beast of Bladenburg. We're going to release that in the middle of January. It's about this big cat back in the fifties. Um, that terrorized a small town in North Carolina, Bladenboro, North Carolina, and, and a lot of articles have been written about that and news stories, but nobody's ever done a full-length, comprehensive documentary. And so we produced that, and, and I think we're going to release it around the middle of January. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing that up right now. And so, yeah, we've got um, – and Sean's a big part of Scare Network as well. So, uh, you know, our – him having the stories and the locations and then my filmmaking skills 
is a good marriage as far as um, bringing these stories to life and, and, and putting them out there for, for everyone to see. That's cool. Yeah, thank you. That's why I'm looking forward to her graduating from her school so she can go ahead and start my films. <laughs> Hurry up, girl. Let's go. You need to graduate to do that. You do it right now. Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm gonna make her. I'm just going to have to push her and make her start doing some short films with me then. You have to. You have to. I mean, they're not yeah. going to make themselves. No. no, they're not. They're not. I mean, <laughs> you got to work hard to get there. Of course. It doesn't grow it. If I could wave a magic wand, it would be all you know. It would be all good, but you got to work hard to get to where you want to go. Of course, you can do anything yeah. you want to do. Put your mindset to it. Exactly. It's a lot of belief. I know. I, I've read a lot of books on you know the power of your subconscious mind, and you know obviously the the book and the movie that came out like 20 years ago, The Secret. I, I love that still. It just really motivates me, especially if I have, you know, if some things don't go right in my life or have bad days. And I try to, you know, remember the things that that were caught in that and, and really, you know, bad things are going to happen to everyone in this in this life. It's just how you handle them and overcome them, um, right. I think, is, is, is key. So, yeah. yeah. And failures are a part of that's what I try to tell my girlfriend. There are some things that she doesn't want to do right now. We were talking about it this evening when I went to go pick up my son from wrestling, and I told her failures are lessons. You know, yeah. you're, you. I mean, you're, you. You can't go through life without a failure somewhere, and you just they just teach you. You know, she's holding back for fear of failure, and I'm like, no, don't hold back on your dreams. Just just do it, and if something doesn't turn out right. Then you just tweak it, or if it's you know not meant to be, then that's a lesson yeah. learned. So. Well, that's before I started Scare Network in January. I had spent the previous eight months, um, right around the time the pandemic hit, about March or April of 2020, creating another. I was creating another platform called MyFood.TV, and back in January. Me and the guy that were doing it, we spent a bunch of money, and we were just spinning our wheels, and we just couldn't get the technology right, and our 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 business plan was kind of flawed. So I pretty much spent eight months, and in in January when it kind of fell apart, we decided to. Um, I was you know I was a little bit devastated at the time, um, but I'd been I'd had Scare Network in the back of my mind and had actually thought about that months, months earlier, but I really believed in this other um, platform that I was going to create, but that just kind of fell apart. And Scare Network, um, I just, I'm just so thankful and I really believe it's part of God's plan um, to, for that to, to happen to me in my life. And if I'm blessed enough to keep creating this content, putting it out, all I care about is, is entertaining people and telling good stories. So, Right. Right, and I'm sure that you and Sean make a good pair when it comes to your, because he has the developed psychic yeah. side of it too, with what he's doing and the paranormal mm-hmm. background. So yeah. that makes it even better when you got somebody that you can really work with. That seems yeah. like a really yeah. nice. It is. It's been. It's like I said. It's been a good fit, and I'm I'm very thankful that that you know I met Sean and that. We've been able to take a lot of his 
his stories and his cases and, and actually put them, you know, put them on film. And um, even though we've been doing a lot of documentaries, I try to treat them like a narrative movie. I mean, if you watch any of our documentaries, um, and many people have made the comments, say that they feel like it's a narrative movie, um, not just a documentary. So I, I try to bring that style to to what we're doing as well. So. Right. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna check out check out the network later yeah, on. Thank you. I'll, yeah, I'll check Let it out. Know. Just, just, yeah, I Let can do know. that. Because we want some that, good honest feedback. Yep, that's not a problem at all. So I'll be checking that out later on while Ryan's yeah. doing his show. <laughs> well, the beautiful thing about what we're trying to do with Scare Network is, you know, every town and every city in America has a ghost story, and every town in America has a haunted house. And so um, so we want to, you know, try to tell those stories. They don't all have to be feature-length documentaries or anything, but we want to tell those stories and, and tell urban legends that maybe have kind of fallen on the wayside and try to bring those to life or, or, or give some new life to, to some of those. So. We're, we're doing some really cool things, and, and even some of them are just short things, like five to ten to fifteen minutes, um, little short movie documentaries. So it's it's really cool what we're doing. I just hope we can keep up, um, keep it up, and keep doing, you know, being able to do what we're doing. That's cool. That's really awesome. As long as they're unique, and, and you know, I mean, even like the mouth yeah. story. I mean, I, I do think that that you know story presents itself as a unique paranormal documentary because most of the time you're going into um, a home just to help a family or if you're just going to do the research to find out what what's causing the haunting. And, you know, the story of Malifus is, it's really about the fact that, like, you know, believe in the fact that, you know, crossing over two women's spirit um, that I somehow made happen and this evil wanted revenge against me. So, you know, after finding out, you know, Five years later, I was trying to mess with something in my personal life and realizing it took credit for it. Um, you know, it's, I realized I had to go back to this place to validate all my experiences up until that point and, you know, get more information, get more evidence, and then hopefully displace the evil off that property and also away from me. Um, you know, and it was, that's, that's really what happened. And, like, again, we were just doing another podcast, uh, you know, with Billy the other night, too. I mean... I was going back there regardless. I mean, it was only like a week and a half, two weeks tops before I was heading to Ohio to go to this place um, that all of a sudden, like, there was talks of doing a documentary. Like, I was going regardless because this is messing with my personal life. Like, I, this wasn't a planned thing. This is kind of a last minute, like, you know, all right, let's put it together. And, you know, I guess it, it was meant to be. It was definitely destined and meant to be. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad it did because uh, – yeah, I'm definitely proud of that, um, and it, it brought to life uh, one of the one of the most profound paranormal experiences um, that I've experienced throughout all the years. Um, so, and you know, that was I wrote about it in my first book, and this is the continuation, really, um, you know, of, of what took place. Now, does any of your books? Where do you where do you sell your books at? Because like some people sell them on Amazon, some people have them on different different if you want platforms. signed. If you want signed books from me, um, I have a website anywhere in the U.S. As long as you live in the U.S., I will mail you out a signed copy um, from my website, SeanDAustin.com, S-E-A-N-D is David, A-U-S-T-I-N. Um, I have okay. signed books and signed CDs of my music, of my last two EPs, 
and soon I will have um, T-shirts for sale on there um, and signed posters. Pictures. Nice. And posters, yeah. I'll, I'll break that down, so I'll put that in the stuff later. Let me, if you, I mean, if you you've been doing the U.S., you can get my books off Amazon. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I apologize. If you live outside the U.S., you can get my books off Amazon as well. Off, off of Amazon, okay. But you have your own personal website if you want signed copies of it. Yes. I have to look into that. All right. That works for me. Now, you've been doing, like, paranormal investigating for a long time, so it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and sometimes people take it as – they, they don't take it very seriously when they go out and do investigations. Like I've been on some where people take it as a joking type. They joke about it, or they taunt spirits. What are your What are your thoughts on that with people? I mean, for people that are like getting into this field, or some people, like I said, that that just don't take it seriously. What What are your thoughts with that? It's not It's not a trip to the amusement park. It is a thrill. Right. Um, it's bringing life to things that we would think fantasy of before doing that sort of stuff. And we wonder about watching these shows and movies, but there's real serious, delicate nature uh, involved with um, the stakes involved. Again, uh, you know, reiteration of that, of, you know, what can happen to you doing this stuff and engaging the spirit world, not having the knowledge to know how to deal with some of the things that you can encounter and going to some of these places. And yeah, the taunting, um, you know, if, it, it's all about intent. So if you're provoking for the sake of evidence or, you know, um, you know, for entertainment or for materialistic reasons, these things will, you know, potentially use those words as an invitation. And that invitation could be open at any point in your life. It doesn't have to be that night, next week, next month, or years later. And, again, they don't want to be noticed. So they're going to want to hide in the shadows so they have the best chance to victimize the individual um, and get the most negative energy out of them and cause chaos within and around that person. Have you ever had stuff follow you home? <laughs> um, do I breathe oxygen on planet Earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? Oh, of course. I mean, this is this is not something that you can put a blockade and not have an experience at home. I mean, especially myself being sensitive, um, I'm more prone to things coming to me because I had that aura around me. They're, they're attracted to my aura. They know I can have a better chance to pick up on their presence in all the different aspects of, you know, whether vision, visually speaking, audibly speaking, um, energy speaking, uh, emotional, emotionally speaking. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, so I, I have stuff that happens. Yeah, it's just... It's just not like every day like oh my god this is crazy but like it's just one of those it's like a wave um that you know comes in and out and the tide comes in and out at some point it's kind of calm you might have a little something and out of nowhere some random creepy weird thing will happen it could just you know it could be just something like a whisper like shot in my ear i'm like hey hey how's it going you know but i mean obviously yeah. that was your first experience <laughs> you know you'd be like you know freaking out <laughs> I'm just but, wondering when I mean, you, that's, if, the, if, that's the way I was when I saw the shadow of a little girl and I was just like, oh, you know, but you know, uh, now it's just like, all right, who are you? What's what's up? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. That's normal to me. The paranormal is that normal to me because I've had so many experiences. It's just it's just way beyond, um, uh, you know, any question or. But again, I don't put fear into my experiences 
it's more of like a curiosity of like figuring out who's what's going on why is this evil thing coming to me and of course i use my faith and my spirituality to um you know put put that stuff off and and put you know you know keep it away from me um that's the hope um but you know that's why my faith is so strong because i know that these things do with you know, react negatively if things of religious significance. And that's why, you know, I, I approach the paranormal the way I do um, because of my experiences and what's kept me alive thus far. Right. Yeah, I, I went on an investigation over the weekend, and there was a couple um, people there that I guess had, I mean, I've got psychic abilities, but I didn't, I just grounded. <laughs> I grounded so mm-hmm. much I just didn't. Anything or really see anything. I just, well, I got home. Then later on, it was like almost like a psych attack later. But, I mean, I was just wondering when you get caught up in those situations, if something does follow you home, what, how do you, what do you do with that? I mean, you know, well, what followed me home? Are we talking about some, like, spirits is like, hey, you know, hey, Sean. You know, I offer to pray for spirits wherever I go and I investigate all the time, every single time. So, you know, my constant efforts of trying to help some of these spirits and potentially sending these spirits back into like Now, it's not really me. It's kind of like I'm just giving them an opportunity to find peace, and it's really up to God allowing those, those souls to go back into heaven. But it's kind of like I'm using my free will choice to give a flashlight to someone in the dark room. It's like, okay, here's your way out. Do you want to go? This is up to you. It's up to you, and it's up to God. But you really have to accept God's love and forgiveness. And what I actually do when I pray for spirits is I do a visualization of bright light. I close my eyes and imagine a bright light coming, spotlight coming down right in front of me. And I pray to Archangel Michael and I try to, you know, put together this, this scenario. And I also ask the, angel to, the angels to bring their loved ones to the light so they have this extra courage to go. So I'm using my free will and my intent incorporate with praying to, to the angels and the visualization and, you know, from the evidence that I've gotten, you know, leaving the spirit box on when I do these things and the stuff that it says is truly amazing. Um, and my psychic impressions and stuff like that and even Malefice, I mean, something to be at me and so pissed off saying I took those souls away from it for so many years. Obviously, I've done something to piss off evil, but then again, I'm a demonologist, so I really should just make a shirt that says, you know, being a demonologist, pissing off the <laughs> pissing off the <laughs> the right ones or something like that. I'm pissing off evil, I'm 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 doing the right thing. So Yeah. <laughs> so when you go on your investigations, um is there any particular pieces of equipment that you like the most that you use? Or do you just go off well, of what like it's the straight up conversations to the spirits, man. I, I just you know, because I hear stuff psychically in my visions, I just want to speak to them very quickly. They like, go, well, you know, you know, because I want to, I want to validate what I'm picking up if something comes to me, and you know what they say could, you know, really confirm that and further the investigation and the research and the answers and knowledge that we want to know about the case, the spirits that are haunting the place. If it's just, you know, what we're dealing with, or if there's something evil there, or if we're helping a family, you know, trying to, you know, dig for more answers for them, and you know, so yeah, I just speaking to them. So the ITC in general, um, I, I really love just the straight up speaking to them. Obviously, you can have things that react to the EMF meters and REM pods and mel meters and things like that. Those are cool too, because you, again, you're asking questions and they may validate um, potentially questions that you're asking, you know, regarding information you're trying to uncover. Right. And see, that's, that's, that was one of the things that I used to do when I went out. I would do things on my own. Like I didn't, 
I would just go to different places without equipment, but then I started using equipment because I wanted to validate what I was experiencing on the psychic level. Mm -hmm. So that's when I had started using different pieces of equipment. So that just, like I said, helps validate Mm-hmm. On that level, because I've had the I've had the ability to communicate with spirits since I was six, and I think I've been possessed twice. But that was twice in one night. But I don't remember it, so I'd have to, mm. you know. Um, but that was that. You know that there's things that are greater than you out there, or more powerful than you are out there, is what I learned from that particular experience. I guess that particular night I met my match, as one of my friends would say. You'll meet your match one day. I did. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a pretty scary experience for me. So that uh, after that experience happened, I didn't want to do any type of paranormal anything for like six over six months. I just shut everything down at that point because I didn't want anything else to do with it. So, right, yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah, but you know. Things is what it is sometimes, and you just have you learn from those lessons. And then, for some reason, it didn't feel right not doing anything. So I got back on track and started getting back into my Reiki and different things like that. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, Absolutely. what's your upcoming? Got about ten, like ten minutes left on this well, show. Well, we got this medieval documentary coming out. I think we're going to call it the same thing I called it in my book. It was interesting, but also just you know what it really means. Uh, Amityville, the resurgence. I think um, we'll be calling that documentary, and I'm. I think it'll be interesting to get that out because, again, it's not just a rehash of people telling the story about Anvil. This is something that followed me home, and it's my paranormal experiences. I have evidence. Um, we even captured evidence in the car, physical evidence of the light anomaly of the, what I believe to be a spirit flying around the car and actually comes through my windshield and in the car with me while we were in front of the Amityville house. Um, and um, you know, uh, you know. It's, it's an, it's an interesting story, and Ralph's going to be a part of it, and Ralph was there for, with me, and we have video of evidence of the stuff that we got in the car another time a few years back. Um, I think it'll be an interesting twist, um, and I know people are fascinated about the case. I mean, that's my number one place I would love to just investigate for 24 hours. I would love to just be in that house, considering I have personal stakes involved now with it following me, and just my curiosity has peaked to a whole new level. Um, so that will be coming out in the next couple months. Um, I was part of a film project. Um, I figured at some point next year it will be announced. I don't know when. Um, and just continuously doing more projects with Billy, Scare Network stuff, um, you know, doing more investigations, research, and whatever opportunities come along the way um, as well. You know, I'll jump on it. This is all invo- involving my passion, my passion about the paranormal um, and, you know, music as well, you know, releasing my new music and, and that. Gosh, I was going to say, you got a lot of things going on. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> as, as many as I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you something, because you have written a lot of books, and I'm stumped on my books. So you have any suggestions for me? Because, like, I've been trying to write a book for the last three years, and there's, like, a writer's block, and I just put it down. Have you ever went through that? So what I've recommended to other people is that I voice texted my, my books, number one. Number two, voice text the, the book and not trying to overanalyze and, and think about grammar stuff and all that crap. You know, I was just speaking to it and, t- and, t- and telling stories and trying to get through it. And then I had an editor chisel the statue, so to speak, and make it a cohesive story and just asking me questions after going through everything. 
that's really what got the book done. Because if I just sit there and look at this, like, oh, God, I should have said this, should have said that, just speak like you're telling someone a story and voice text it, and then you can have okay. someone kind of formulate it into something that would be in, in a good storytelling um, manner that you know, might be a little bit better to help you explain um, the book, you know, as a whole. Okay, that's cool. Because, like I said, I've been on the stump with that for the last – I've put it down. I picked it back up. And then I ended up putting it back down because I just totally went, I was typing it as I was going, like, and it's just not, I ended up putting it down because I got frustrated. I, you know, I, I, I get it. It's an everlasting thing, and you you got to at least have, like, about 50,000 words. So, And it's cool because I just download this writer's app. It tells me how many words I have. So. I would just go story to story, voice text, and just – I'm not even thinking about it. Again, I'm just speaking to it, telling the story, and then, you know, you have something. It might not be perfectly, you know, in order, but that's why you have somebody else deal with that. Um, and then right. you'll have your book. Yeah, because it's jumping all over the place, and I'm like, gosh, how did it go from here to here, and now it's back to here? So, like, like I said, it gets frustrating. So I appreciate you giving me that suggestion. So <laughs> – we don't have too much longer. I do appreciate you both coming on my show. Um, yeah. You know, we've had about, we've got about seven minutes left on Vibe Time. So I don't, is there anything that you want to talk about within the seven minutes? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, guys, really, really go check out, I mean, if you guys want to get interested in some of the stuff we've done on Scare Network, go to YouTube and type in Malefice, True Story, um, Devil Down South. Um, watch the trailers uh, of these documentaries. Um, so, you know, see if you want to rent it. Go to the website and rent it. And if you have any issues, just go to the website and email Billy. I'm sure he'll, you know, try to guide you if you have any issues how to mirror it, whether it's mirror it from your phone or do it through the apps. Um, you know, people should watch these. They're really solid documentaries. Billy's a really talented uh, storyteller. And brings to life, um, you know, these 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 unique um, paranormal stories. Okay, how did you how did you and Billy meet before I before we? I mean, that's one thing that we didn't quite talk about. Did y'all just how did y'all find each other? Um, uh, so Willow's Weep um, uh, was a location a friend of mine, Dave Spinks, a fellow investigator, um, owned, and uh, Billy had filmed a documentary with that project and. The, the the location for Malefist was the place that I originally went with Dave, and at the time um, Dave was doing projects with Billy, and then Dave told him about this story, um, and then that's when he jumped on and ended up coming really quickly, and then it just kind of uh, catapulted from there, and we started doing more stuff, um, and you know we've we've got some unique stories um, that we've put out there, and there's more to come. Oh, that's really cool. So I'm glad that that that's come about. So, I'd really okay. like to just, you know, really just to go out there and, and you know, maybe do screenings for people and in groups and, and do Q&As. I mean, I'd really like to, to do that, um, you know, because we have some solid documentaries here. And just I think it's something I want to do at Paracons um, to, to really start to screen some of these whole documentaries, um, let people watch them and discuss them. Yeah, that would be cool. There's quite a few of those coming up, too, aren't they, Paracons? There's always things popping up yeah. yeah I'm trying to see if I had any questions for you on here um the only thing that we're still looking for is your song that Steve White asked about 
So uh, we're going to have no to cut one out. But we've had, we had quite a few people tune in, but that was his, one of his main questions. So we'll figure that out eventually because I'm sure he'll eventually uh, remember well, what song it was from you. Well, <laughs> Billy was actually here. We did this whole documentary with Amityville. We did another urban legend or two, actually two urban legends. Uh, he actually filmed a music video for me today, um, yesterday. Um, one of the I songs I did, I dedicated, dedicated to my dad's recent passing for a Pearl Jam song, um, and the old Pearl Jam drummer did the drum, so um, we're putting together that music video and that song I'll be posting, so I'm looking forward to doing that dedication to my father, and um, that's one of my favorite songs of all time, which is about, you know, um, his father and a father and losing a father, so, yeah. When does that that come out? Soon. As soon as I get the final mix of the song, Billy will probably put that together in the next couple days. Um, it's oh, pretty, it's we're already starting to put, you know, little pieces together. I think it'll be a pretty self-explanatory and easy thing to put together and it'll be nice something to look back and know I did that for my father. Right. That's cool. So do you have any more songs in the making? Uh, I did three originals while I was down there in Nashville, as well as the program cover. And one of them was that inspired by the paranormal experience, which I'll, I want at some point I'll be able to to discuss that, which I can't wait to tell people about it. Cool. That's really cool. Well, I I do appreciate you coming on to Vibe Time with Jerry. Like I said, at an hour <laughs> flies by really quickly. So mm-hmm. um, is there any, any other things that you want to, to talk about, or do you want to re-give people the website so they'll know where to go and your streaming? Sure, sure. I mean, go to ScareNetwork.tv, go to the Facebook. Um, a lot of the trailers on the Facebook, ScareNetwork.tv and Facebook. Um, again, my website, where you can get all that stuff, SeanDAustin.com. My social media is SeanDAustin on, on Twitter, on Instagram, um, and even on TikTok. I've been going live on TikTok and doing live investigations on there and, and YouTube. It's um, you just type in Sean Austin Paranormal. I have my music and my paranormal uh, clips up there, and I go live on there as well. Well, that's awesome. And I'll post some of what you said in the link because I think I typed on went on some of your links that you sent me in the in the bio. So, mm-hmm. but I'll go and visit some of some of the stuff that you talked about tonight, including your website. But I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on my show. Oh, no problem. And tell Billy I appreciate him talking, you know, giving my friend some words of wisdom because, like I said, she's really struggling. Oh, so. well, hopefully she perseveres. That's really what it takes, you know, in your dreams and goals. You just can't give up. you got to push. When you feel like you should give up is when you should push hardest. And no matter what kind of genre of business or, or talent you're trying to bring into the world, you, you have to, you know, just as an angel said to me once, you have to believe in yourself to be greater than you think you are faith in God, but faith in yourself that you're able to accomplish whatever um, goals you have in store for yourself. Well, those are some those are some really good words of wisdom there because a lot of people struggle, and I think that they just they get frustrated and they give up on themselves. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And I get caught up in those ruts ever so often where I just I'm just like I don't feel like doing this, and I know I have to push through that and just move forward because I have a lot of things that I want to accomplish. I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> Sure. I get it. I totally get it. We all have our our moments. Yes, we do. 
Well, Sean, I appreciate you coming on to Vibe Time, and I don't know where Billy went, but tell him thank you. I'm here. There you are. Thank you for having and us. And we look forward to seeing more, more of you in the future. So I'll be on the lookout for what you got coming up. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Bye. you freaks out there and welcome to the freaking awesome show there is nothing that says christmas more than run dmc i had put freaky christmas as uh, as the title of the song on the switchboard here i guess not really a switchboard but the 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 
music board or whatever on the blog talk thing. And I literally had no idea what it was. I was not expecting that. But you know what? It's all good. It is all good. I remember hearing that song on, I think it was a very special Christmas volume, like one or two. Came out in like the early 90s. It had like um, Merry Christmas Baby by Bruce Springsteen on it. And uh, God, I can't think of what else was on there, but it was like one of the very first like, I don't know, compilation that has like modern stars that I could remember. Uh, but I remember that song, that song was on there. And I was like, oh, this is a Christmas rap song. That's pretty cool. So tonight we are going to be talking about famous Christmas traditions and the stories behind said traditions. And we're going to be listening to some Christmas music Christmas music, and hearing the stories behind each song. I've downloaded a few songs and uh, did some extensive research. Pretty much I looked on Wikipedia and found stories behind the, the different Christmas songs that I was able to find and download. So it's going to be fun. Um, we've got Whitney the Heart back on the show with us. This is her third time on the show with us this year. So I think she has the record of people appearing on the show the same year. I think I think I've ever had anybody on here three times. That just shows what a great guest she is. And I uh, definitely appreciate her taking the time out of her busy schedule to come on and talk to us. I know she knows a lot of stuff about, you know, Christmas traditions and stuff. And I'll let her talk about talk about those, and then uh, I'll I'll chime in with some of the Christmas songs we have here. Uh, I want to remind you guys that we've got um, Giving Ghost Toy Drive at the Cabin on 360 on Saturday night. Um, if you're in the area, please come out. We'd love to see you guys. We want to get as many toys as possible. For the kids, um, we usually get someone from the uh, some toys for tots to come pick the toys up for us, or not for us, but you know they send a marine out, they come pick up the toys, and it's like a you know a big thing. But unfortunately, since we didn't know as far as like if we were going to have access to the cabin, because I think you know as far there were supposed to be someone running the cabin, and that hasn't happened yet, so. We're lucky to have the event, but we couldn't book the uh, marine to come out, so we weren't sure if we were, if we were even going to have access to the cabin or not. But we do, so um, yeah, the event's come on, going on on Saturday night, and we are super excited. It's a lot of fun, uh, and like I said, it's all about just um, giving back or giving to the children and doing what we can to help them have a good Christmas. You know, that's what, cause that's what it's all about, you know, Christmas season, giving, and just doing what you can to make other people happy. So that's what we're doing uh, on Saturday night. And we have a lot of cool people there, a lot of uh, great investigators, and uh, we get access to both houses, the brick house, which again, I thought was going to be uh, occupied because we're supposed to have someone move into the cabin or the brick house on November 1st. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out how we're going to do a big event at just the cabin, you know. But luckily, we have all three locations available. Hopefully, it won't rain on Saturday because that would take the woods away. But right now, as far as I can, no, as far as I can tell, we have all three uh, locations available 
for uh, Saturday night. So if you're in the area and you want to come out and hang out with us, just bring a, an unwrapped toy worth $25 to uh, get in. And you can investigate in three locations for $25. It's it's pretty pretty good deal. You know, and if you even if you don't want to hang out, if you don't want to investigate, and you still want to bring a toy, you know, it's fine. You come over, and drop a toy off, because like I said, it's all about getting as much, many gifts, presents to the kids as possible. So, so tonight is so that's it for that. Um, tonight is going to be kind of a laid back kind of show. We're just gonna talk Christmas. You know, this is what this uh, time of year is all about. So I am super excited to bring Whitney Zahar back onto the show. Let me uh, go ahead and push this little microphone button here and bring her back on. What is up? Welcome back. Hello, hello. The third time's a charm. Is it really three? Wow. Yes, we had you on in the summertime, and then I think we had you back on in, like, October or something. Yes, uh, yes, you did. Oh, my goodness. Time flies, <laughs> you know? Wow. Feels, I, I mean, this feels, is an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just so happy you you, uh, you agreed to come back on with us. It feels like yesterday that we were uh, sitting on the in the camp with Angie, and we were talking about your yep. book. And that was back in June, I think. Six when it first ago. came out, yep. Yep. Nice Still out, by the way. <laughs> How is that? How is that oh. going? Has, uh, have you started your uh, new book yet? Or, or uh, how are the sales going? Well, I have really no idea about sales exactly. Um, I did make a commission, and I actually did make the rounds at uh, Fleetwood Paracon at uh, Fleetwood Church in uh, Brandy Station, Virginia, and sold quite a few copies of, hmm? I saw the pictures. I was looking at uh, trying to find a picture yep. to put on, on the uh, on the advertisement. But, yeah, I saw the pictures. It looks like, looks like you guys had a good time out there. Oh, it was a great turnout. And um, actually, thanks to the, the Fleetwood Paracon and also other events that, they've hosted at the location enough money was raised to completely restore the uh, steeple of the old Fleetwood church. So yay us. That's awesome. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, it's very awesome. And it looks great. Check it out. It's on uh, historic Fleetwood church. LLC, I believe is the, the whole name. You can look at it on Facebook and um, yeah, I'm, I've got um, another anthology that came out around Halloween called Unfortunate Fables, which are really, really dark fairy tales, like really dark. And I have started my new book. I've started working on it. It's going to be definitely a lot lighter in tone than uh, The Safe Room, but it's going to be in a series of novellas called The Nine Muses. All the no- yeah, all the novellas are going to be written about the different muses. I have Urania, oh. who is the muse of astronomy, and there's some surprises with that one. Uh, the title is Nova, and that's coming out in August of 2022. Wow, so you're staying busy. 
Yes, I am. And just like anybody else, I'm preparing for the season. Um, I've got a couple things coming on. And as a wonderful plug, uh, this weekend on December 12th, the Valentine Museum, where I work in downtown Richmond, is hosting its annual Winter Wander. So come on out and visit Court End. A lot of the some of the historic sites there are open with wonderful food, crafts. Um, I even think that the historic Masons Hall is going to be open for tours. So, and that's a rare opportunity. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Give you a chance to get down so, there. That's 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 a great opportunity. Yeah, I'll be. Um, uh, let's see. I'll definitely check it out. Um, I'll be working the craft table at the Valentine Museum uh, from twelve to about two thirty, and then, yeah, I mean, just come on over and check it out. It is going to be Saturday. It is going to be Sunday. I think the weather might hold out for us, but we'll have to wait and see. I hope so. You know, Hertz might be raining yeah. this weekend. I mean, I hope it doesn't rain on Saturday because I've got some stuff i got to do Saturday night. Rain yeah, would not I hear, yeah, I hear you. In that, in that by area the way, for lovely. darn sure. Yeah. Lovely rap song, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Like, I, I was saying, I, I, was, like, man, to... I, I was like, it wasn't what, what I was expecting to uh, play when I played that song, but I'm like, you know what? It's, it's, uh, I don't know why I labeled it Freaky Christmas without any, like, indication of what it was. Because I think I put it on there, like, a few years ago. So, oh, but man. It it's fan- that was fantastic. Mm, <laughs> it's a classic. It is a Christmas classic. I, I felt what is, pretty uh, good about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with Run DMC. Nothing says the here at the yeah. holiday season, like, you know, some Run DMC. Run and like I was saying before. Yep. It was part of, um, I think it was part of like a very special Christmas, volume one, maybe. Oh, okay. And uh, oh, it's like a I'll have to look it album. up. Yeah, we'll uh, look it up for sure. Like, like I think I, I think it went came, went from a very special Christmas to like now that's what I call Christmas. So it's probably oh, a volume like yeah, two hundred by now. Yeah, chain. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. So. <sighs> I figured, you know, we come on here, we talk about some some of our favorite Christmas traditions. What what is like one of the you one of your favorite Christmas traditions uh, that you enjoy uh, from your childhood, or when you're like what you do now? So one thing that I loved when I was a little girl is we actually had a lot of fun on Christmas Eve on December twenty fourth. Um, my mom would take me and my sister because we'd be out of school. She'd take us to work and we'd say hello to her coworkers. Um, it was also where my grandfather, um, her father worked. So it would be a good way to see granddaddy. And then she'd take us, this is in Virginia Beach, she'd take us to this place called Waffles and Things and we'd have like a delicious waffle breakfast, brunch. Um, then later that afternoon we'd go to my mom's parents house and we'd have supper and open presents from them and then depending on how we were feeling by the end of the night they would um my parents would drive us around different neighborhoods to look at the christmas lights occasionally 
They would take us to church uh, for the Christmas Eve service where the kids could go in their pajamas. Uh-huh. So it was it was a pretty – I mean, I, I, I can't say it was a fairly traditional kind of sort of Christmas celebration. Um, and it was – I have nothing but fairly good memories of celebrating Christmases with my family. Um, now as an adult with a family of my own, we're a little bit different. We're a little more non-traditional. But a couple of things still hold. Um, one thing is, and this is carried over from my husband, He, we, they do Chinese food takeout on either uh-huh. Christmas Eve or Christmas, Christmas Day for supper because uh, nothing says stomachs like MSG, and it's awesome. Um, but we also spent, we spent a great deal of, you know, the first eight years of our marriage living in different countries. So, and these were, con- and a couple of them were countries where Christmas as we know it was not really celebrated. So we learned to sort of adapt a lot of those traditions, um, living in uh, East Asia and then also living in Ecuador for a little bit. So we implemented some things. But um, we also have Krampus collections in my house. Uh, we That's put awesome. them out. We put the tree up. Yeah, we put the tree up on the week of Krampus Knocked. So we put it up just like a couple of days ago. And we have two little – I have two little adorable Krampus dolls that I put on the tree that were made by my good friend Stephanie, Stephanie Nicole Mayton. Um wonderful artist and soon I'll be finishing up decorating those so a little bit more non-traditional we kind of look more for the oh I guess you could say more of the lights more of just the food and being together as a family just kind of like enjoying a quiet time before the new year starts yeah I don't think there's a right or wrong way to celebrate Christmas you know it's whatever feels good you know, yeah, just, I, I uh, really do believe that. Some pe- I mean, I enjoy the traditional stuff, and I enjoy doing different things. Like the Elf on the Shelf, that's a new a new tradition that um, Angie brought into <laughs> our relationship. I didn't really yeah, do that. I, I saw, yeah, I saw some of the, some of the uh, wonderful video that you guys shot of um, yes. what your elf has been doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are mischievous. They get into they get into, get into everything, man. It's uh, you never know where they're gonna show up. So it's uh, you guys always gotta be on the lookout. Absolutely. Um, my sister does an Elf on the Shelf for uh, her children, and my sister actually is the exact opposite of me in that she pretty much gets her house up and decorated the very day after Thanksgiving. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> My sister does the same thing. She has a, I've watched her do it. I don't know how she yeah. does it. <laughs> but um, it's like they're almost like they're yeah. chopping at the bit. Like, all right, all right, Halloween's over. Pew, let's get let's get this uh get this get this stuff down. Put the Christmas stuff up. Yeah, no, no, no. That that doesn't quite work for me. I I can't I can't rush it. I have to be in the zone. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, so, it's a a lot of work. It is a lot. Um, 
Yeah, and that kind of goes into one of the holiday traditions that I like and that I think you guys might find interesting. I was looking at the tradition behind Christmas lights. Um, And you know how everybody, well, not everybody, but Christmas lights indoors and outdoors, on the tree, it's a thing, as we've seen in many of the lovely holiday movies, uh, such as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, Of course, before electric lighting, it all used to be candles, um, with candles trimming the Christmas trees, candles being set in the windows. Um, However, you can only enjoy that for only so long because it's a fire hazard, and Quite, I'm sure quite a few Christmases were ruined because of fire from those candles. So in 1882, there was a guy named Edward Johnson who was a friend of Thomas Edison, the guy that created the light bulb. And he was the person that developed the first electrical string of lights. Oh, wow. Yeah. However, it didn't really catch on. At that time, because, I mean, electricity, not many people, even though of the whole fire situation with all the candles, not many people trusted electricity. And, of course, we've also heard of instances when electrical wiring was first put some into some of these buildings. They burned. Some of them burned. Um, also, it was just really expensive. So for a while... Edward Johnson's electric lights didn't really catch on until the 1920s. And that was when General Electric um, made electric lights more accessible and cheaper. So that's when that tradition really caught on. You know, I don't remember growing up, I remember people seeing lights on people's houses is a lot more rare than it is now. Uh, I don't know, maybe because yeah. it's like, I don't know if it's cheaper doing it now, but it seems like there were far less, like, lights on people's houses. I remember going to the, the house off uh, near off Gaskins Road. I don't know if you, talk, if you know where that is. Um, but there's, like, two houses side by side, just completely, like, done up in Christmas lights. And, you know, it's been doing it for, like, 30 years. And that was that was where you saw the all the Christmas lights. And other than that, you know, you'd see candles in the windows. Maybe you'd see like a tree or something lit up. Now it's like I was talking to Angie about it. It's like every other house, it feels like there's like lights everywhere, and it's, and it's good. I like feel like I like the fact that people are getting into it. But definitely a lot uh, a lot more Christmas lights out there than, than there have been in the past. Crazy. Isn't it? And yes, that it actually is. brings me, yeah. And that brings me, of course, to the big one. Big Christmas tradition is, of course, the tree. Um. So trees actually have been the Christmas tree as we know it didn't really get kicked off until at in America until the 1840s, 1850s, and that was brought over by the German by Germany. Uh, because that was where a lot of the Christmas tree tradition was. But before that, we're talking ancient Rome, because they would decorate um, 
different trees with these pieces of metal as a celebration of their Saturnalia festivals in, at that time of year to celebrate the harvest and agriculture. And as most of us have researched when it comes to studying Christmas traditions, we know that Christmas is kind of like a hodgepodge of celebrating Christ's birth and Christ's mass, which for some reason is December 25th, um, which that actually Christmas Day declared as December 25th didn't happen until 336 A.D. <laughs> That's uh... – is it was it because they they wanted to uh, incorporate the celebration of Yule with the Christian? So when the uh, pagans wanted to um, convert the pagans to Christianity, they wanted to keep some of the pagan traditions that, alive. That was, would... Yeah, that was something to do with it. Um, some folks, of course, would also say no. Christianity wanted to stamp it out completely, but. I like to think that it was a happy it, – it was a combination of everything. I wouldn't say it was happy, but it was a combination of everything. But, um, yeah, Happy the might tree, be a stretch, but, yeah. Yeah, ha- happy might be a stretch. I mean, that's just me. But, um, yeah, uh, Christmas trees have been around since the ancient, since the ancient Roman festival of Saturnalia. Um, but also keep in mind that uh, Rome – was a vast empire, even covering the lands we know as Germany today. And mm-hmm. that was when those trees really kicked off in that particular area. Um, now, I want to kind of fast forward in time, because when you hit the Victorian Christmas, uh, Queen Victoria, her family um, were from Germany, <laughs> so or from that particular area so they brought the christmas tree tradition that we know today to england and later on to the united states um i actually have read that the first christmas tree put up in virginia was christmas eve 1842 in the saint george tucker house in williamsburg oh wow that's awesome. And the yeah. first and and also to give you guys a little preview of our winter wander, which will include tours around the court end area of Richmond, around um, VCU Medical Campus and City Hall. Um, the first Christmas tree in Richmond is believed to have been set up by a man named August Bodecker in his uh, apothecary shop in 1846 on Main Street. Oh, wow. See, stuff you learn when you go on the the Winter Wander. That's that's just a taste of what you're going to learn when you go on Winter Wander. That is just a taste, yes. Um, I like Christmas trees. Um, I, I personally, I do love the smell of the real Christmas trees, but I just don't have the time to deal with them so i have a fake tree uh i'm yeah, sorry I love, but um yeah it's easier to have it you know yeah but it's i do easier. i do remember you know going out as a kid and picking up a christmas tree and you know and it was a lot easier when my dad would go get it and put it on the car himself and do all that tie it down you know it thinks oh wow 
stuff seemed a lot easier. Christmas seemed a lot easier when we were children. And I think uh, <laughs> yeah, because we didn't have take to do it for all granted. the work. Yeah. We do. I mean, and for a long time, now here's something that's interesting. For a while, Christmas was not really a child-focused holiday. It was a religious festival, whether it was through Yule or Saturnalia or even the traditional Christmas uh, worshiping Jesus Christ and his birth. It was a religious holiday, and for a while, gift-giving was something that you would give the person that was higher up than you in society as a tribute. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you always think of Christmas as being uh, uh, for for the children, but I guess that wasn't, like I said, it wasn't always the case. Well, also for a, for a long time, probably up until about the 18th century or the 1700s, when you have more philosophies about how to educate children and how family life is core uh, to society, that's when you start seeing more things geared towards children and families, like toys and things like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the tradition of gift-giving, however, on these holidays, it's a long tradition. Um, We, of course, hear of the gift of the three wise men to the Christ child uh, with gold, frankincense, and myrrh that was given on on what we know as January 6th, which is Twelfth Night. Um, But, of course, we have our jolly old St. Nicholas, uh, the fourth-century saint, who was the one that really pioneered gift-giving. And, in fact, St. Nicholas Day was last night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Goes, I didn't um, know about it. So the little I know about St. Nicholas Day, because I think I've only seen it celebrated once, but um, you see it a lot in um, some of the uh, Germanic countries. You do see it in the Netherlands. Uh, what they would do in the Netherlands is they would leave out their shoes, their wooden clogs, and for St. Nicholas because he was known to be very good with children and want to give gifts to them. So they would find things like candy, fruit, small gifts. But, of course, beware because St. Nicholas's counterpart is Krampus. Oh. Places like that, and 
it's because it's gained quite a foothold in the United States and Richmond being one of the cities where Krampus knocked is popular, where you see people dressed up in the costume of Krampus, who basically is like a devil like character, a goat like man with horns and everything. And his soul do while Saint Nicholas rewards the good children uh, Krampus is the one that punishes the bad children. He'll sometimes whip them with a birch or if they're really, really bad, he grabs them and stuffs them into his basket that he carries on his back and whisks them away, never to be seen again. <laughs> wow. These people back then were pretty cool to their kids, too. But, you know, I mean... You know, people don't go in the woods at night. You never know what's going to, you know, it's, you got to do something to make them behave, I guess. But Well, I mean, children, of course, uh, once again, it wasn't until the 18th century where children were actually started to be viewed as children. Um, before yeah. that, they were viewed as basically like miniature adults work the fields and do the hard work just as much as any adult at the time. Uh, the whole idea of childhood really didn't come about until, you know, the 1700s, which is also when gift giving really started too to be focused more towards kids. Now they wouldn't always give gifts on Christmas day or Christmas Eve. Um, it used to be that gift giving would happen maybe on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or even Twelfth Night or January 6th. That's where the whole 12 days of Christmas comes from. Uh, December 25th to January 6th is the 12 days of Christmas. You know, one of the uh, one of my favorite traditions are the Christmas carols. Now, I, I don't go Christmas yes, caroling, um, but I have been known to put on Christmas music in my car. Oh, probably. Go no ahead. So I've got some songs ah. here that I've downloaded. Yes, yes, For yes. First, we're going to learn the history of a Christmas carol. A Christmas carol okay. is a carol or a song, hymn, on the theme of Christmas, traditionally sung at Christmas itself or during the surrounding Christmas holiday season. The term Noel has sometimes been used, especially for carols of French origin. The first Christmas carols uh, can be traced back to 4th century Rome. Mm. The first song we're, we're going to hear is uh, O Holy Night. Uh, o, o Holy Night, or Cantique de Noël, is a well-known Christmas carol originally based on a French language, language poem by poet Placide Chapeau, written in 1843 with the first line, Minuet, Christian, say, I don't know how to spell it. It's a, again, I can't say that hard, word. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Midnight Christians is the solemn hour, which that's what it means. That composer Adolf Adam set to, set to music in 1847. The English version mm -hmm. is by John Sullivan Dwight. The carol, the carol reflects on the birth of Jesus as humanity's redemption. So this is O Holy Night. I'm probably going to start crying. This is one of my favorites. Oh, holy night, 
light and noise and fireworks. And really, it's all about driving back the monster yen, which is year in Chinese. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'd be uh, remiss that, yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool you got you have you learn all these different traditions and you were talking about earlier about how Christmas songs are like just you know, darkness and overcoming the light, overcoming the darkness and all that stuff. And he, it is so it is so true when it comes yeah. to Christmas. I think uh we get too caught up in the, the whole buying stuff and so like we have to get the the best toys, we have to do this, we have to do that and you just forget, you know, what Christmas is supposed to be. That we've we lost that what, we kind of yeah. lose that magic and what as this you get time, older. Yeah. Yeah, and what this time of year really is all about, really what it was all about. The harvest is done. It's the coldest and darkest times of the year, at least for those of us living in the northern and western hemispheres. And at this time, you want to surround yourself with warmth and light. But you also want to creep each other out, too. So, of course, my favorite tradition and one that has fast become popular is telling ghost stories at Christmas. Hey, I'm all about ghost stories. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And actually, Ashland Haunted History Tours is doing their uh, Christmas uh, ghost walk. I believe it's still going on this weekend. So if you get a chance, go to Ashland, check out some Victorian Christmas stories. Well, I have got a uh, another another Christmas song that kind of goes much what you were talking about earlier um, when we were you were talking about uh, just family coming mm-hmm. together because that's what I think from my point of view Christmas is kind of like okay we made it through the year we are here all together again at Christmas time. We did it, and we take time to remember those who have not made it, the guy, the people who have passed on, and it's the celebration of life. Um, I think the best song um, that exemplifies that, that point of view is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Uh, oh, it was yes. written in 19, It was written in 1943 by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine and introduced by – Julie Garden in 1944, uh, MGM musical called Meet Me in St. Louis. Frank Sinatra later recorded a version with later, with modified lyrics. Um, the one I found is actually sung by Bing Crosby. Um, that's my favorite version of the song. So I'm going to go ahead and play a few minutes of that song. You guys, you, you good for that? Yes, let's do it. All right. Long song. Let's see here. Do, do, do. There it is. All right. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let yourself be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have 
Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be miles away Here we are as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more Through the years we all will be together If the fates allow Until then we'll have to muddle through somehow So have yourself a merry little Christmas now Oh. <sighs> ah, yes. There's nothing like Bing Crosby. Uh oh. Oh dear. Hello. Had, sorry, had on had myself on mute. Um, <laughs> I think, There's nothing like Bing Crosby. Yeah, it, it, I was listening to the song, and it just reminds me of like, you know, my like my mom and my my grandparents, and it's Christmas is one of those seasons where it's just it's filled with such joy. But at the same time, full you've mm-hmm. lost, and uh, I think that song just exemplifies that in such a strong way. When you says, you know, until then, you know, through the years we all will be together if the fates allow, you know. And then it's just it's uh, definitely one of those songs that, that gets you in the heartstrings for sure. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Mm. So, well, that was for the for the, the depressing song of the evening. But let's let's uh, oh, let's boy. lighten it up. Let's let's uh, let's go some let's go a little contemporary. Okay. For you, a little. Um, this song was uh, written in 1984 by George Michael and Andrew Ridgely while visiting a Michael's parents' house. It was written by George Michael in his childhood bedroom. Introduction and chorus medley to Last Christmas, which Ridley later called a moment of wonder. This is one of my favorite <laughs> Christmas songs of all time, and I love myself some. All band. right, let's do it. So let's let's get let's get down. Let's get let's listen to some Last Christmas. Okay. Yes.
Love it. So I don't know how, you know, anyone could not sing along when that song comes on. Um, it is such a such a great song, and I don't know why it's so, like, it's, it's such, it's, it's lasted for so long. I, you know, it's just one of those songs where it's like, doesn't really, not really a Christmassy song. It's about Christmas, but it's, I, I don't know, because very some people put out original Christmas songs that don't don't really catch on. But this song, maybe it was the right time of time for it to come out, and it's just kind of stuck. But one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. That was a happy song. I I enjoy yeah. Last yeah. Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing like uh, the original. I, not a big fan of the covers. Just play the right play play the George Michael version of it. That's all I need. George Michael is magical. Yes, his voice is amazing. I don't think George Michael is a yeah. He's a magical beast, and he is a sacred world wonder. That is what I say about George Michael in that regard. (laughs) I I am right there. I am right there with you. Um, Oh my god, I feel so old, but so happy. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, let let me warn you one thing. If you got, I I ha I have been told by my husband, the song that will have him go into epileptic seizures of pain and suffering is uh, Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas." <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that that song has been overdone. Um, yeah, you know. I think uh he's threat- he yeah he's threatened to disown anybody who sings that song in his presence. I am right there with you. I'm right there with him on I, that one. Yeah. I can't blame him. I didn't want to get my eyes out like some songs do. Uh like Angie's favorite song is Santa Baby and that makes me wanna, you know, stab my <laughs> eyes with a fork. But Wow, you know, that's I will extreme. listen to it for her sake. Tell me how you really yeah. feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, oh, you better listen to it, Ryan. <laughs> God. I'm trying to like pull I my, pull my ha- ears I actually, shut. I actually have a favorite song, um, but it's not a traditional. Um, it's not a song that's always played a lot. It's um, Breath of Heaven by Amy Grant. And it's basically a song about how Mary feels as she's mm-hmm. wandering around pregnant and dealing with that. It's a beautiful song. So if if you look it up, check it out. It's it's gorgeous. Oh, I'll definitely look it up. You don't really get hear much from Mary's point of view or like even Joseph's no. Joseph's point of view, uh, for that matter. Uh, you know, and it's there's a whole the whole side different side of the story. You know, oh, there's really many get, stories to be out. told. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, well, I got nine. I got eight minutes. So, what do you think? A good big we finale. Yeah, time for one more song. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's uh, let's go really traditional. I'm going to go here. Uh, do, 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 do. This song, uh, 
Here Comes Santa Claus is a Christmas song originally <laughs> written and performed by Gene Autry with music composed by Oakley Halderman. Autry got the idea for the song after riding his horse in the 1946 Christmas Lane Parade in Los Angeles, during which a crowd of spectators chanted, Here Comes Santa Claus. This inspired him to write a song about Haldeman set to, that Haldeman set to music. Autry's lyrics combined two veins of the Christmas tradition, the mythology of Santa Claus and the Christian origin of the holiday. Most explicitly, in its mention of, of the nativity promise of peace on earth to those who follow the light. A demo recording was made by singer-guitarist Johnny Bond, whose recording made use of ice cubes to mimic the sound of jingling sleigh bells. This inspired the use of real sleigh bells in Oxford's own recording of the song. So I'm going to go ahead and play this song, and uh, we'll talk about what we're talking. Perfection. <laughs> Come Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Blixen and Blixen and all his reindeers pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. Hear those sleigh bells jingle jangle, oh what a beautiful sight. So jump in bed and cover your head, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, he loves you just the same. Santa Claus knows we're all God's children, that makes everything right. So fill your hearts with Christmas cheer, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He'll come around when chimes ring out that it's Christmas morn again. Peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light. So let's give thanks to the Lord above, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Yay! Uh, jingle, jingle. Very happy song um, to close out the show. Um, I want to thank you for coming on and talking with me. The hour went by really fast. It, it's uh, I know it did, didn't it? I am very excited for to hear about your new books and uh, coming out um, next year, and we'll have to have you yeah. back on the show to uh, talk about oh, yeah. talk about them. Definitely, I'll be happy to come. Um, otherwise, just a couple shameless plugs. Again, come check out the Winter Wander in. Um, sponsored by the Valentine Museum in the Court End area of Richmond on this Sunday, December 12th from 1230 to 4 o'clock p.m. Uh, check it out. It's beautiful. Um, oh, God. And also listen to the Para Unity podcast. I am co-host on it with my best buddy, Brandon, and we are just having a ball on that show. 
Uh, we recorded last night, and we had Steve Dills on it from Transcend Paranormal. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. check it out. And, um, and also, awesome. speaking of Steve, and speaking of Steve Dills, if you want to see another pe- awesome people, there is going to be the Hanover Tavern Paracon coming up in January of 2022 and i'll be there as a vendor selling my books but come by and hang out with really really cool people yeah i'm definitely come check it out um i'll be there walking around so you'll probably see me out there yay can't wait super excited to see you and uh thanks again for coming on the show and um i will talk to you soon my pleasure, and happy holidays, uh, Ryan. Happy and holidays. also, be prepared. Something will come in the mail for you and oh, your I'm family. Excited. I am excited. <laughs> I, well, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Bye, everyone. Good night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Whitney, for coming on the show and talking with us. Um Next week, uh, we have John Pagano, uh, author John Pagano, coming on to talk about his new book about Pocahontas. So I am very excited to talk with him next week. He is uh, one of the main historians over at Henrikus Park. So uh, he's, an, he's a good friend of mine. So I'm very excited to have him on the show with us next week. Uh, so I guess that's it. Um, nothing else going on. I'm going to end the show, and I hope everyone has a great week, and I will see you uh, next Tuesday night. Same freaking awesome time. Same freaking awesome channel. Good night.